mean assaulted! Why don't you knock it off with them negative waves? Why don't you dig how beautiful it is out here? Why don't you say something righteous and hopeful for a change? Jay's gonna bring me back Give me a plus one to attack Oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice Whoa, oh, 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 I think I need some good advice I need a roleplay rescue, oh yeah I need a roleplay rescue, oh yeah, oh yeah Greetings rescuers, I'm Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue I've been bothered lately by the perception I've developed that the role-playing game community is in fact dominated by negativity. For a while now I've found myself increasingly repelled by that negativity and this has led to a massive downward shift in the quantity of blogs, podcasts and other social media that I consume. In short, I hear and read a lot of tearing down and I've been wondering how to respond. Is it negativity to call out the negativity you perceive in the community? Is it healthy to focus on the negosphere? And how can we lift ourselves out into a more positive space? Today I'd like to engage you in asking, what can we do to reduce the negativity and increase the usefulness of our positive efforts? I don't know, but I do have a few ideas. This is Season 8, Episode 12. Why don't you knock it off with those negative waves? One of my favourite films of all time is Kelly's Heroes. Of all the excellent characters in that old war film, Oddball, the positive-thinking tank commander, is my favourite. His brand of relentless faith in the ultimate possibilities inherent in the world is repeatedly bashed at and challenged by negative colleagues, repeated disappointment and an underlying cynicism that makes the film so endearing. And it's Oddball's line that inspired me to record this episode. Well... That, and a call in from Frank T. I was just musing on the notion of feedback. Uh, Specifically, feedback from the community on Roleplay Rescue. I know sometimes it can affect you in a little bit of a negative way. But I would say to uh, look on the bright side. You know, you're putting ideas out into a public forum. And if people are going to respond with a or what might be perceived as a negative view of those things, that's okay. I don't know that we're ever going to please everyone. And I also don't think that most of the people who have a negative response to something, especially when it's on Roleplay Rescue are being negative toward you 
not intentionally anyway, or negative toward the show or negative toward your ideas. I think that it's really less about a negative response and more about a disagreeing with the idea. That being said, uh, I do think that oftentimes we say things, and you recognized this even in uh, the last show, that we're not always very clear on what we're saying. And oftentimes, because of the nature of the medium that we are working within, the messages take longer to sort out than if it were a chat conversation or a voice-to-voice conversation or a face-to-face conversation. So I think that allowing everybody to explain themselves is a good, is also a positive thing in the communications that we have without really hammering on things in a bashing kind of fashion, which I don't think any of the community at uh, of Anchorites really do that, ever. Uh, they may disagree with, with an idea or a topic, but I've never heard anybody flat out bash anything. And I, for one, appreciate all of your thoughts and points of view. And oftentimes, even if I don't agree with them, they give me something to think about. And I will often change my mind about things because of an idea or concept that I don't necessarily agree with at first. So thank you for doing what you do and thank you for pouring your heart and soul into roleplay rescue i for one hope that it never stops cheers my friend i'm not entirely sure i know what triggered frank to call in but i certainly do appreciate the message and it's a thought-provoking message too thank you frank is disagreement negative i don't believe it is Is disagreement uncomfortable? Certainly, yeah, I I get uncomfortable when someone questions my point of view or challenges my thinking. But that is surely to my benefit. And yet, perhaps that hasn't always been clear to the listener. I don't know. The call got me thinking about the negativity I perceive around me and mulling over what is helpful and what isn't. And that's when I really began to grasp the kinds of things that turn me off and turn me away from a conversation. The other day I was talking to my wife about the RPG scene and I described the general arena of discussion, especially in social media, as the negosphere. In short, I spend a lot of time experiencing negation of the things that I enjoy in this hobby. When I talk about a game I like, 
I feel I am bound to have someone tell me how they don't like it. This or that flaw or something about the producer of the game, or even some political reason I should not like that game. Oh, you like that game? Here, have a negate fun spell. Zap! Basically, people trying to tell me what not to like. If I discuss how I like to play, I expect that someone is going to pop up and tell me that I'm playing it wrong, or how what I do will turn off X, Y or Z group of people, or how I am gatekeeping because I play in the way that I play, or some other reason that I'm doing bad wrong fun. Boom, negate style spell. If I talk about something that helps me, I am on guard for the person who will come along and tell me how that never worked for them. They might dress it up with, I'm glad it worked for you. And then comes the but. Bam. Negate technique spell. In short, I tend to expect the negosphere. I'm on standby for cancellation. Someone somewhere is, I'm pretty damn sure, ready to delete me. Cyberman style. This is, I am told, paranoia. And then, guess what? It happens. Almost daily, I am told that the games I like are not really games worthy of liking. I am reminded that the way I do things is not approved by someone. And I am regularly told that what helps me is not going to work for everyone. Except that I never expected to help everyone, please everyone, or even like what everyone else likes. I was just saying what I liked. I hear a lot of tearing down. When I worked for Games Workshop, one of the community volunteers, a lovely older guy named Laurie Stewart, used to regularly remind me that, quote, it's easy to tear down. What's much harder is to build something back up, end quote. Laurie was right. And I find that I need to remember this because the world I live in is increasingly obsessed with negating any enthusiasm I might have in anything at all. What am I to do? What response can I offer in the face of the almighty negosphere? And that's what I wanted to think about a little more deeply. The first problem I have is that I take my perception at face value. In other words, I tend to trust my first impression of what's happening to me, and I fail to consider that I might be mistaken. I assent far too quickly to a judgement. An example, I'm talking about a game system I enjoy and someone jumps onto the conversation to tell me how that game is flawed. My perception is that they are trying to negate my enjoyment. But of course, the likelihood is that the person is not negging on my game choices out of malice. They are speaking from the belief that they are right, that their experiences of and beliefs about that game are real, and that I would do better to recognise those points that I'm overlooking. People speak from the assumption that they are correct. They believe what they are telling you. The intention is to help. Yes, even when that speech hurts your feelings. They probably didn't realise that you were going to feel hurt, or else they would not have spoken so openly. Contrary to popular belief, there are very few people who consciously go out of their way to hurt others. Most people, if they disagree with you, do so from a belief that it's important to adjust your beliefs or actions 
with some tough love. So they tell you what's what as they see it. And I do it too. I am, in fact, doing it now. I am speaking from my own experience, but also from the confident belief that I am correct in my perceptions, except that I am, in fact, less than confident of my perceptions. I'm learning to distrust my first impressions. Instead, I am working to try and put a moment of thought between my initial impressions and the judgments I make about whatever it is that I'm experiencing, be it words or actions. I like said game system. Someone is pointing out the flaws as they see it in said game system. My first impression is that they are trying to negate my fun. But is that really the case? What are they actually saying? Putting aside my emotional reflex, that egoic mind that wants to justify itself in the public eye, what is the person truly saying? Are they sharing their impression? Well, they are entitled to have an impression that differs from mine, are they not? Perhaps I should say, well, it seems so to him, or she certainly might view it that way, or they are certainly seeing it in a different light to me. I might ask, is that so? What are the facts? What I am learning is that judgment leads me to self-doubt and inaction. Reaction is easy. Negative emotions, those feelings stirred by that sense of threat, are quick to invoke and faster to activity. But is what I'm perceiving factual? We are hardwired to spot negativity. It's called the negativity bias. It's a survival trait that allows us to spot lions in the long grass, snakes in our mattresses, and food that has gone bad. It's been said that bad news travels faster than light, that a lie is halfway around the world before the truth has got its boots on. We humans are hardwired to spot negativity and to react to it quickly. This is why clickbait gets clicked. It's why salesfolk pitch the problem they have invented a solution for. And it's why I get so damn cranky when someone questions my opinion. But the problem is always inside me. The negosphere isn't out there. The negosphere is what I choose to notice. Instead of focusing on the negative, I need to turn my mind towards the good stuff. Not in a glib, superficial manner. Not at all. I need to focus on the process. Jay, it's Evil Jeff. Hey, listening to the latest podcast, the bonus episode with you and Jason Hobbs. And I can already tell it's one of those episodes that I'm going to stop and record a response to you, uh, as this is one of them. You were talking with Jason and talking about a game that you were starting up and say, all right, guys, this is a experiment that I think is going to fail. And I have to keep saying it over and over again. You have to stop being negative. It's just it, put yourself in a positive mind frame. You can never get anywhere with a negative mind frame. Just start saying things in a positive light. Might make things go a lot better. You never know. Try it. 
I clearly did a pretty awful job in the interview with Jason Hobbs of explaining what I mean by a cognitive experiment. But I thank Evil Jeff for calling in. Regular listeners will know that I've been receiving a rather helpful psychological tune-up in the form of some cognitive behavioural therapy delivered via the NHS here in the UK. CBT, the NATI acronym, is all about noticing how our own thoughts lead to emotions and those emotions drive behaviour. In brief, by looking at my behaviours, I've been able to work out some pretty fundamental beliefs about myself. One of those beliefs is, at its heart, a core belief that my therapist helped me to express as, essentially, I am incompetent. This belief which I now know to be largely false, grew up through my early childhood and became rooted in my adolescence. I've carried it for somewhere around 45 years. Cognitive experiments are where we challenge beliefs, whether they are core beliefs that sit at the centre of our self-identity or merely entrenched beliefs that we carry around. And we challenge them by testing them. The therapy is to talk about the belief and look at situations we are anxious about with an honest appraisal of what we expect to happen. In this particular case, referred to by Evil Jeff in his call-in, I was talking about my belief that I needed to do all the prep before I was ready to play, what amounts to hours of reading, writing, worrying and planning that most commonly paralysed me with fear and stopped me from playing. My therapist was encouraging me to try an experiment in doing minimal prep just to see what might happen. We agreed I could try a one-hour prep window close to the event and then she asked me to predict the outcome. I was then to seek evidence and feedback to help see the gap between my prediction and the actual outcome. Games being subjective, she was keen that I share my prediction after the session. Jeff was one of those players in my GURPS Dungeon Fantasy game under experimentation. As he comments, my prediction was negative. Of course it was negative. This was me expressing my belief that not prepping would fulfil my core belief that I am incompetent. In this case, incompetent as a GM. I was trying to challenge that belief. I was seeking to rock the foundations of that belief. I was trying to speak out about my negativity and counter it with a different action. I prepped for only one hour. The game was fine, good even, from the perspective of the players. Another listener commented to me that, in the interview, you can hear me say, I got away with it. This was an off-hand admission that the belief didn't just go away because of one experiment. I wasn't really believing that running one session on low prep was enough of a test. So we decided that I would run the next session on about half an hour's prep. And that went okay, although I felt worse about it afterwards and player comment was more ambivalent. Today, as I face prepping for more sessions, the belief that I'll have to, at some point, go and do a whole truckload of prep to catch up is, well, very strong. This belief is not going to go away easily. Of course it isn't. It's a core belief. It's built on 40 years or more of gaming experience that, for better or worse, has encumbered me with the belief that, due to my inherent incompetence, I need to make up for it with extreme prep. The longer game is working on that core belief. What is competence anyway? My therapist helped me to see that I previously defined it against a very high standard indeed. 
not the actual requirements most ascribed to being a good GM, but rather the kind of performance we have come to expect from professional actors and scriptwriters. In short, I'm learning to see that competence is not excellence. It's competence. There is nothing wrong with wanting excellence, but competence isn't the same as that. And it certainly isn't sustainable to expect excellence on a permanent basis in a hobby that is just as dependent on the contribution of the players as it is on what I do as GM. So Jeff's call was deeply welcome. Thank you, evil Jeff. And yet, really? I did an awful job of talking about cognitive experiments in that interview. But hey, this is a learning experience, right? And I'm coming to believe that the process is more important than the outcome. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can also find the Roleplay Rescue page on Facebook, join our RPR group on MeWe, or follow me at UbiquitousRat on Twitter. If you want to support the show, you can join the Roleplay Rescue Patreon and gain access to weekly Dungeon Masters Diary episodes and early access to every episode of the main show. Patrons also gain access to the Roleplay Rescue Discord. You can find the Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. All the links mentioned here are in the show notes. Thanks in advance for your support. So in all this talk of negativity, I'm coming to believe that process is more important than outcome. The journey is more important than the destination. That positivity lies in seeing the steps taken rather than the place you reach. Positivity lies in talking about what I like and why I like it. It lies in looking for what is good and exploring why it is good. What helps and why does it help? What works and why? How I improved and why that improvement might have happened. Process trumps judgment every time. Collaboration beats tribalism. Facts are superior to impressions. It might not be sexy to talk about what works for me, and it's quite possible, probable even, that what works for me won't work for you. Yet I choose to believe that by sharing my experience, I stand a better chance of improving the lives around me than if I just spend my time spitting on all your efforts. Instead of sitting in this or that camp, sticking labels on each other and jumping up and down waving this or that flag, I believe in dialogue. And that means getting away from sound bites and 140 character polemics. It means getting into a face-to-face discussion, or at the very least, a real-time conversation, wherein each person is ready to listen, to be curious, to open up to the possibility that my impression might not be something I choose to assent to. The negosphere isn't worth my time, and I choose to look for discovery. When I get out of bed in the morning, I am ready to discover. I'm seeking to discover within the context of the communities in which I move, and I'm hoping to both give and receive acceptance to value the difference I see all around me. I have been told that I am an idealist in tones that imply that I'm also a fool. But if creating communities of discovery in which people can feel accepted is foolish, then, frankly, I'm ready to be called a fool. Can you do me a favour? 
Can you knock it off with those negative waves? It's a mother beautiful hobby, and it's always going to be there when you want it. Game on. Hi, Che. Wolfchild here. Wow. First recording, so I'm uh, challenging myself. Okay, just listen to your DMs Diary 69, and I want to start off by saying I love your energy at the moment. It's so good to hear. Um, not competent. A certain someone recently hit 75,000 listens. You're a very competent creator, and well done. Your podcasts are refreshingly honest and relatable, clearly to many people, and I think it's fantastic that you're now acknowledging that by both celebrating the 75k and now transcribing your material into non-fiction book format. You've so many insights worth hearing and reading, and that is why you have 75,000 listens. Um... You may remember several years ago, while playing your Hollow Rim campaign, I can't recall the system, um, I began writing a fiction blog, essentially the fluffy, colourful version of my session notes. That's thanks to your encouragement that we take proper notes and take it in turns to upload them and share them with the group, that I ended up doing that. I believe the purpose was threefold, to help other players remember what happened with some recap material after a break between sessions or maybe a missed session, to make sure we were actually taking useful notes at the table, and thirdly, to see the same story from different players' perspectives, which is kind of interesting. Unfortunately, due to other commitments uh, that some of the other players had it was usually just myself and Ian and sometimes I was too busy writing notes to keep my head in character there's always a drawback to something somewhere but it prompted me to get creative and to write it gave me the confidence to flesh out those turns and create some fiction I never purported to be a great writer but after a few blog posts it got the attention of a blog sharing page in the States and they requested that I become a regular blogger on their website, uh, which I did for a while. I even began writing some of my uh, own material, still inspired by snippets from RPG games, both played and viewed, but it was fun and it was rewarding. I really hope your solo play and the fiction that follows from it begins to flow from that lovely new pen in your swanky wee notebook and you're able to build some of the confidence that I found. RPG makes such awesome source material for stories. Um, It's just great. So my writing dried up when my mental health dipped, and you're well aware of the crazy roller coaster that I've been on, and I didn't quickly get back into gaming afterwards, so those juices never got flowing again. Um, I'm glad to say it sounds like you have no shortage of gaming currently and plenty of RPG experience to fall back on and stories to remember, so solo play as well. Uh, So there's so much material you've got ready to go uh, that you can tap into and I just hope that really helps your creative juices flow. Um, Likely, like myself, um, those mood dips are going to hit. We've heard them in your diary, and this current wave of gaming boom will dip also, and your mood will probably go in tune with that. Um, 
but you sound so much healthier in your language and your tone recently than at any time I can recall. And we knew each other for a fair few years sat around that table. So I think I've, yeah, I remember fairly accurately. You are getting stronger. You sound more resilient. You have recovered so many times in the past that I know if you hit a bump, you can and will bounce back better, especially with the CBT tools that you're applying now. So well done again, Che. Thank you so much. You are a great creator. Uh, in the stuff that you write in prep for adventures is great material, and you and other GMs do not give themselves credit for just how much goes into that. It is creativity. It's not just always stripping things out of a pre-generated book. You are generating your own material. That's fantastic. And I just wanted to remind you that... Um, yeah, although I brought some shitty times to your table, even though I haven't always been able to cr- communicate it, you gave me some excellent prompts that have really helped. Your podcast really does help me and other people. So, thank you. Cheers, Jay. Bye. So, I'm left a little speechless when I hear that message from Wolfchild, but I want to say thank you, dude. I really appreciate it. For our listeners who don't know... Wolfchild's been at my table, the Friday Night Roleplays, for quite a few years, um, but we did part ways. I think partly because we both actually had mental health difficulties. I'm really grateful that Wolfchild has come and joined the Patreon and has also volunteered to step up to a game, which I hope he'll be joining very, very soon, because actually I really missed that friendship. What is wonderful in this message, aside from all of the flattery, and all of the positive things that are being said, all of which I am so grateful for, is actually the hope that reconciliation and acceptance will win out in the long term. And that's something to which I always want to hold hope for. So I guess I share it in a spirit of gratitude, but also a spirit of hope. And I don't know, just going to put it out there into the community. So thanks, Wolfchild. It meant the world to me to hear that. And I thank you for taking time to make a call, which I know was never going to be an easy thing. Game on. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Thank you to all the callers today. Honestly, without listeners like you calling in and sharing your thoughts, the episode just wouldn't be possible. Thank you. Thanks also to the amazing patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash RPG Rescue. Thank you for your support. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. Game on.